This is Andrew from Stratford Court, and you're listening to The Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Paradise Arcade with Eric and Kyle. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Thanks for joining again this week. We have a very special guest, as they're all all very special. But I feel really excited about this one. It's uh, Andrew from Stratford Court. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me here. Uh, Yeah, thanks for coming on. I am amped to have you on. I, I think what you do... As far as a record company is really interesting, what um, the releases you have, the roster you have is really good and fresh and interesting. Um, and so to have you on and talk about that and your just your insights and your thoughts about what you do, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Um, I think you've increasingly released some very compelling and interesting electronic music um, that has been really like exciting for me in the same way that I, you know, discovered various things through my life. Um, it, it excites me. And so whatever a record company tunes into something, I'm like more about this. This is the thing I want to know about and get into. Um, so thanks for joining. And obviously we like greased you up with lots of, uh, compliments there, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, so talk a little bit about, um, your, like, why does Stratford Court exist? I mean, how did you get started? What was the... I knew this question was coming. But, uh, <laughs> it's a lot, it's a kind of a long story, I guess. Not too crazy, but it started, <clears throat> it started more as like, I guess, a collective, um, me, a place for, for me and my friends to release our own music. Like, if you dig back on our band camp. I have an album on there. Uh, I, I used to go by walkie talkie and then my friend Ryan is a shy wolf, but, uh, started, you know, we're like, we were making music. We just wanted a place to put it out. It was all digital at the time, just like on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. And then a big part of the label was compilations. Um, you know, it was just like, you make a list of all these dream artists that you want to be on the compilation. You blast out emails saying like, I'm going to make, you know, do this compilation. Yeah. A lot of them say yes. And you're like, oh crap, this is going to happen. Um, so it just started like that. And, uh, you know, each one, <clears throat> you know, you would try and get a bigger artist that you dreamed of releasing and uh, kind of just grew from there. At the same time, like I'm, I'm a trained graphic designer. I have a degree. So like I was always interested in doing album artwork. So that part of it came easy, I guess, like I didn't have to pay anyone to do it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I built a lot of connections through doing artwork for other musicians in the beginning. So it was, it was easy to get some people to agree to you know, make one unreleased track for a compilation. Uh, and then from there, 
I don't know. We were just doing the same thing over and over again. Like, you know, name your own price on Bandcamp, getting all these sales. And so we're like, why don't we, you know, make something physical? And we did a, a cassette release for the first time. I think that was, let's see who it was. Venture X. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. No, I'm not. Oh, but uh, it was, uh, he was more future funk, vaporwave kind mm. of style music. Okay. And, and the label actually used to have a lot more of that um, present, kind of like new new disco, future funk, and, and vaporwave. But then it always had chill wave kind of as well. And then, uh, yeah, I kind of, I had you know, like a partner that was, that was working with me on it to like find music he liked and I liked. Um, <clears throat> and at one point he, he kind of got burnt out. And once it, once I like kind of took over the entire thing, I was like, I took it a little more seriously and I was like, kind of want to make this business and try a little harder. And so that was probably what led to like the first vinyl release. And since then, it's kind of just been like a whirlwind. Dude, you're on fire. Uh, and that's no small feat. I mean, we were chatting a little bit before recording. Um, just the amount of effort that it goes into a single vinyl release. And you've got many through the year, um, through mm -hmm. any given year. Um, with that first release, were you? did you go like out of pocket like... I'm going to take my money, save it up, do the vinyl run, or did, did you have enough sales to help fund that initial release? We did have enough sales to fund it. Nice. Um, so, but it was still scary. I mean, you like, yeah. you're like, oh, cassettes cost like 200, you know, 300 bucks. And now you're going to drop over a grand and you just, you, it was, it was, it felt like such a big leap, but it's looking back, it was like, I don't know why it took so long in the first place. That's funny how that works. And then it, it just seems like you're right time, right place where yeah. you're releasing where vinyl is the thing that people want. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got an artist that people like, you're going to be able to sell a limited run. Did you do like a hundred copies initially or like 300 or? I think it was probably only a hundred for the first I don't know. Let me see. The very first one was like a crowdfunded campaign uh, for Airglow on mm. on crates. Yeah. But the first one where, um, you know, it was <clears throat> a real, uh, real pressing from the plant was Hotel Pools. And let me see if I can find how many the first one was. Or maybe we don't want to know how many. <laughs> Make people maybe I'll go crazy. Yeah, 100. Wow. And now Hotel Pools is like printing money. You just press <laughs> it and it sells out. Yeah, yeah. That's a good place We're to be in. Very fortunate that, you know, that this um, community supports the, yeah, sell selling vinyl. It's amazing. I, um, I find you in a very interesting place music-wise with your label. Because I'm going to state this out loud. You're not a synthwave label. You don't have synthwave artists. You have adjacent artists mm -hmm. like Chillwave. Um, yeah. But you still have this ability to appeal to a lot of that crowd. 
which is an interesting place to be because I don't think you don't go, I'm going to be synthwave. I'm going to cater to the synthwave folks. You do, you curate your own very specific things that you like. Yeah. And it, it just happens to work out, which is a really great place to be because I see other companies that maybe try to do similar moves that aren't as successful. You know, like, oh, well, I'll do one step in this direction or one step in that direction to be more palatable to a broader audience, but doesn't necessarily kick off. And you found, so that it's a really interesting place to be in. Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, it, it's, I've been doing it for probably a lot longer than a lot of people notice or, or know, like the label started the curation, you know, of the, of, of the sound that this label has started in like 2014. It's only like most people probably are familiar with Stratford Court in like the last three years three to five years maybe yeah and so yeah it's like it's it's all my you know curation and taste and i think uh yeah you just if you like something a lot you got to trust your your own opinion and kind of go with that so is that was that like initially like really scary to go like you're looking in major investment you're doing vinyl release and you've got all these factors to put in and you love it, and you're going to dump thousands of dollars into a release, that's got to be kind of a a scary thing. But obviously at this point, you're probably pretty confident in yourself. Yeah, I mean, mo- yeah, most releases I am. There are still some that I get thrown for like, why didn't that sell so fast, you know? And, it, and it's crazy, but um, most of the time I'm, I can predict it pretty well with with the artists that I'm releasing um yeah it's it can be scary is there like um a particular like factor things that you weigh when you're gonna maybe sign someone to your label or do you just go I like this music and we're gonna go with it um I wouldn't say there's a specific factor it's mainly just like if I believe in it, like, and if I like it, um, you know, there's a lot of musicians probably, you know, in this scene or adjacent to it who may have shown me their music and their ability and their talent is like totally up to par, but it's just not exactly my vision. So it it might not, I might not release it, but, um, yeah. I got it. That That's a really kind thing to say. Cause I think, you know, a lot of people don't understand that because you get turned down from a label doesn't mean that your music isn't good or valid or you're not, you know, like technically proficient is just if you have a vision, a particular vibe that you're doing um, and it doesn't fit, it just doesn't fit. It's just what it is. Yeah. That's a really good thing to say. Yeah. I. So artists out there, take note. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're bad. Because it's very hard to say no to somebody like, or it, it, maybe that's not hard, but it sucks to do, you know, to write that email or whatever. I would imagine. Yeah. You know, like typing up a, I'm sorry, at least you're not doing what sub pop used to do, which is like, here's what, like, these are the reasons why you suck or something. That's what I heard. (laughs) Yeah. They used to send a rejection letter that was brutal back in the early nineties. That's crazy. Yeah. 
you aren't Nirvana. You suck. <coughs> they did. They did Nirvana, right? They, they, they initially signed stuff. Nirvana, and then when they um, went to um, Nevermind, they did a major label release. And but Sub Pop got credit for it. Or like they they still get residuals from that, even though they're not the one that released it. So it's an interesting, it's a whole interesting. There's a documentary actually on, was it Netflix maybe about Sub Pop, and Trinkenstein. <laughs> very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So in the past on the show, I've referred to myself as a curator of cool, and <laughs> I can say that you are definitely doing the same thing with your label. Thank you. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what, how to take these compliments. It's weird. It's awkward. I know. Just take it. it. Like Eric had mentioned earlier, I don't remember if it was before we started recording or not, but uh, just the direction that you're going with your label, the artist that you have, the kind of music that you have on there, uh, the direction that it is going is one very cool mm-hmm. and something that I can appreciate because it has definitely brought new things to light for me that I might necessarily, or, you know, maybe not have found on my own, mm-hmm. but has definitely opened my eyes. Um, Eagle Eye Tiger. Oh, dude, Eagle Eye Tiger is the best. Yeah, he's awesome. And uh, the direction he's going from, and that's the same, what's interesting is a couple of the artists on your roster, they've maybe started off more chill, and have progressively become almost more IDM, like warp, glitchy, like Eagle Eye Tiger had some bangers on the last record, and I'm curious what the new one's going to be, and the Memorex Memories going from chill to really IDM-influenced, very much away from kind of their origins. Yeah, so actually, um, on the 8th of April... It's a new Eagle Eye Tiger album, and it, and it's different from the last one. So I won't tell you what direction, but it's not the same. That's exciting. Yeah. For two reasons. Yes. Tell me the two reasons. Well, one, new music, and two, he didn't want to be on the show until he had new music. So maybe we can have him on the show. I literally I, I uh, message Omar every now and again, and uh, I asked him to be on the show, and he goes, and his response was, well, I'd like to come on once I have something to promote and some new music. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. I'm like, well, that's a bummer because the Untether Unravel Ravel was relatively new. So I'm like, well, bummer. It's going to be like a year or two. And sure shit, here we are. Yeah, he's he can crank out some some music for sure. I think he's maybe I, maybe I shouldn't say anything, but I think he has another one in the works that will hopefully be done this year. I don't know when it will be releasing, but yeah, that's there's and, and on the new one, I wouldn't. I'm not. It's not completely different. Obviously, there's the things that you love about every Eagle Eye Tiger album, but it has some new uh, new flavor here and there. I like that. I like the progression. The same thing with you know Memorex <clears throat> and you know mm-hmm. like even like Ben or Hotel Pools. They they continually to do these interesting. They don't play it safe. That's what I say about the artists on your labels it seems like you just let them be what they are yeah and and so we get these different flavors out of them instead of pumping out the same i will say like some of my complaint with 
I'm trying to figure out a way to say this really politically correct and kind. Um, sometimes things can get derivative in certain genres and it's hard to listen to like the copy of a band of another band of another band of another band where like, if I want to listen to that, I'll just go to the album that does it perfectly and not the fifth derivative of that thing. Yeah. And I know some people are really comforted by that, a particular sound, a particular setup of things, but I like it fresh. I like it new. Be excited. Do you agree? I could go both ways. Okay. All right. That's fair. It's like, yes, okay, if you like an artist, and we've heard it plenty of times before from artists and from fans, you know, maybe the artist doesn't want to get locked down doing the same thing, but they feel pressured to by their fans. That's tough. That's not always great, you know, strangling the creative process for things, but I don't know. Like I said, it'd go either way. Andrew, do you feel pressure at all or do you not do you not let it even bother you like with what you're doing because you're known for chill right being relaxed and people could maybe expect that and i think i don't think you've released anything that's been like way outside of that parameter but it's like there has to be a financial like thing in your brain like if you're doing this for a living like a calculus of well i know this is gonna sell because this thing is a sure bet people know this or do I go to this other thing that's maybe a little bit over here? Um, I mean, does that ever play into anything for you? Do you ever even think about that? Or are you just, are you free and loose? I I don't think, you're, you're asking like if there's pressure. Um, to release a very consistent thing. More, oh, to release a consistent thing? Yeah. No, not really. Um I I actually I like giving a little variety and I think there are you know there has been some times where things are kind of consistent and and that I think helps for a lot of people but I love like the album that's coming out next week is um John Mint I'm not sure if you're familiar with him I am but his music's a little more like uh, he calls it VHS wave kind of like elevator funk um mm. And yeah, I, I'm not trying to just do uh, chill synth or something like that. I, I I definitely like the variety. Is there someone that you want on your label like badly? Like a someone out there that's like this person needs to. <clears throat> I want to release something with this person. Hmm. Well, there's one. That's kind of that's going to happen in the future, which is a uh, can't tell you too many details, but it's a collaboration between Hotel Pools and Allison. So that'll be the first time, kind of. Right. Yeah. Having Allison on on the label because Allison's with Eyewitness for the most part. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So I mean. I, my favorite thing is digging for, for new music. Like that's kind of how this whole thing started. Like I go on SoundCloud all the time and like just find something that 
catches my ear. So a lot of times I get excited about, you know, someone brand new that I, that I've just heard. Um, there, there's, there's some other artists though, that in the scene that, that I would like to release. I think one of them, <clears throat> Voyage, uh, I was, I, I asked a few times and he always was trying to figure something else out with another label. I'm not sure where, where it's going to, where he's going to land or not, but, uh, yeah, there's a couple here and there, but I'm I'm super appreciative and happy with you know the musicians I'm working with now. Yeah, it's a great yeah. roster. I mean, yeah, you've got solid releases. Um, I I'm curious, and you could be as forthright or not with this as as you want. Um, are you have you are you increasing your um, releases year over year? Are you starting to to yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I haven't like sat down and set out like, oh, I need to increase by 25% or anything, but it's definitely been more and more each year. Maybe last year, because of the vinyl delays, there might have been less, there might have been less than like I w- could have happened. Just like, sure. Because it was, you know, beyond my, anything I could control. It was just like, this is going to take forever. So, and, and I, like you mentioned before, I don't want to do a pre-sale, but and it ends up happening. But yeah, I always encourage like, let's wait till the, we have them in hand. So that, that slowed things down last year for sure. But uh, a lot of things I had on order are about to, are starting to show up now. So I feel like starting next next week it's just going to be a bunch a bunch of releases which is going to be crazy that's awesome yeah you're going to be a busy guy then yes stuffing a lot of boxes yeah yeah (laughs) well i mean that's what it is you're (laughs) putting vinyl in that's that's time consuming shit um so that's really i mean that's exciting for everyone that follows your label and i've mentioned this um, and I said this on with Nick with the Polycora episode that when I think you might be similar age to us uh, growing up, you didn't the Internet didn't really exist. If it was not on the radio or MTV, you really had to trust in a label. You found a label that you liked and you bought it based on that because they curated taste. And you do that mm-hmm. very similar thing where I think people could depend on you to curate a particular taste that are like, oh, I like. Andrew's taste so this is probably going to be a good release so I think you know like you've obviously um, done well and I think the reason why is with this success you've just dumped it for the most part back into the company right you just go okay well one release can really lead to two releases and then that's four releases and then that's eight and then it just kind of you know snowballs hopefully if you're dumping the money back into the into the label which allows you more things to do yeah exactly and that's a really admirable thing instead of you know trying to suck all the profit off of a thing and you know there's i'm a little there's a few maybe one or two out there that i'm a little more cynical of of their motivations right Mm. um so it's it's really neat to see that more releases means that you're putting money back in and you're you're giving people a chance to have a physical thing. Um, 
do you have like the mindset of like you hear it and like this needs to be on vinyl this this thing i hear i discovered on soundcloud whatever it is and you're like this is it this thing needs to have a physical release yeah definitely sometimes for sure for me like coming from a design standpoint like that's part of the the most like probably the most fun part for me running the label is like each each new album is like a packaging design project yeah like how how can i like raise this you know raise the experience of this person's music higher for the customer and like it's usually you know it's a collaboration between me and the musician on pretty much all of them i mean a lot of the occasionally someone will come with their own artwork but um that's the most fun part. So yeah, it's like I hear an album or someone shows me an album and it's, then it's like brainstorming how to make it come to life, like visually. And um, yeah, that's like the most fun part for me. So I would have to assume that, you know, you you yourself are into vinyl. Yes. Okay. Because I would say it like selfishly, if I, there's some music that I like, like I want it on vinyl. Oh, yeah. And then I would, you know, if I had that in my power, I would do that. Be like, boom, there it is. So I. It's it's good to know that you are into vinyl. I wonder if there is anyone that we have talked to before that really isn't. And they're just doing it for the demand. I I get I guarantee there's one person. There's one company that does that. I can. Okay. (laughs) I'm not. Anyone that listens to the show knows exactly who we're referencing, so I don't even need to say the name out loud. And I think it shows. That's good. But since you are, I'm gesturing towards Andrew right now. <laughs> yeah. You guys can't see With this. his glorious mane. But, Your uh, hair's amazing. It's like, <laughs> you guys both have the hair, too. Oh, thank you. Uh, s- since you're into it, uh, I also feel like you put an extra level of care into it uh, twofold. One, because the graphic design, and two, because you're passionate about the media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's even better to know, because you're, you're getting more care than maybe yeah. you might typically get from a product from another. You curate things that you want to release that you're passionate about. It shows that people trust a label, right? They, they mm-hmm. grow to trust you. I think people go, okay, Stratford Court, I can trust. I'm going to give this artist a listen. I'm going to give them a shot. I'm going to be able to buy the, either the cassette or the vinyl because you put your name on it. It's a seal of approval, and it means a very particular thing. Um, and maybe to each person could take their own spin on what that means or what you're doing. But it, it means something. It's important. And so it's interesting. The power in a sort of way that you have or influence, because you're also like influencing an entire... I don't want to call it genre or like corner of a thing like. But you're giving people that wouldn't necessarily get a a shake otherwise. Like, here's Andrew's seal of approval. Boom. Listen to it. Am I off on that? Here's the thing. Listen, get it. Yeah, you don't. that, That could be a statement. You don't have to answer that. Yeah, that's just me saying things aloud i do have a question though you oh. had mentioned something earlier and this is something that i i don't think we've ever talked to anyone before mm. about mm. but uh at the beginning of the conversation you had mentioned something about on Bandcamp, like 
people offering music for pay what you want. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I, I don't think we've ever asked anyone about that. Like, is that something that people do? Do they, do people pay when they don't have to? Is that something that they support? Is it something that's a decent amount? Is it a little bit? H- how has that gone for you when you've done that? Super well. Um, in the beginning, that's the only way I did it. Um, albums, we did all our albums like that in the very beginning, and it always worked out. That We would make a lot on the compilations because it's they might be sometimes like 30 tracks and people yeah it was always name your own price and yeah it would definitely works uh start we started making the albums a set price um i think when you're selling like vinyl and cassette it probably helps just kind of there's a lot um, of overhead when it comes to vinyl a lot of overhead so it makes financial sense that you'd have to start somewhere to recoup the money but yeah I, I guess i don't like when you're starting from from uh you know nothing like you can make a band camp for free and put music on there for free and you do name your own price it's like people are are willing to give you money because you're not asking for anything really so they're like oh yeah i'll throw a dollar here a dollar there some people yeah you can you can get all sorts of sometimes way more than you would expect we actually, there was a really crazy time when uh, the way we were, we had Hotel Pool's album, um, we basically wanted to direct, wanted to direct people to his own Bandcamp page to buy the digital, so we put it. On- hey there, TPA listeners, Eric here. Sorry for interrupting, but this is the part where we do some shameless self-promotion. And we'd like to give our sincere thanks for listening to the show. And we are just as surprised as you are for listening. But since you're here, we'd like to highly encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, for all things The Paradise Arcade, you can also visit us on theparadisearcade.com. Please like, share, and review our episodes. We like interacting with you. We like to hear your feedback. What's your favorite part of the interview? What you thought was interesting? Who we should get on the show next? Those are all important things that we'd like to hear. And the last thing, if you really like the show and you want more and you want to contribute, you could do something for us. You could find us on Patreon. You can contribute as little or as much as you want. On Patreon, you'll find some exclusive content that we will continue to update. Mostly, we just want to say thanks for listening. We appreciate you. So let's get back to it. It's a motherfucking paradise arcade. On there for $420. And somebody bought that once. Holy shit. That was going to be a follow-up question, yeah, if you had ever gotten anything ridiculous. And that's... That's ridiculous. ridiculous. That's just like uh, we had another company on, and they put... For like, because like shipping anything to Australia is insane, extremely yeah. expensive. Yeah. So they put shipping rate like, I think they said like a hundred dollars or something like that, and someone actually did it. Like they paid the ridiculous amount of money to get whatever release it was. Yeah, like it, the whole point was so that you didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's incredible. So you you talk about compilations, uh, your secret selections. Is that something that you're still um, passionate about curating that list and releasing those things. Yeah, definitely. 
the last series like just finished and I actually have the cassettes for that. I'm just uh, waiting to release them, but yeah, that's kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's nice because if I don't have a release planned for a Friday, I can just drop like a new single that I found. It's kind of a way to stay busy in between like some downtime and kind of, you can, I can introduce new names like very easily, right. like just, you know, showcasing, showcasing one song. Um, so it's, it's cool. It's like, it's a, it's a great way to like show, like, you know, I'm sharing their music with the community community and, you know, giving them a little spotlight and, uh, and then at the end of 10 tracks, it, it gets put onto a compilation on Bandcamp and then uh, we sell some cassettes. So yeah, I, really I love cool. doing it. I think that does, that's really a valuable service that you do. Um, I've had friends in the scene that talk about how much they enjoy your secret selections, how they, they look to it basically to find new music and get turned on to new things. So, you know, again, it's that you curate you have different levels of curation. And I think that's really interesting because you have it on the smaller bite size where it's like, here's a one song by an artist or here's an entire album by an artist. And you offer like, here's a cassette and here's a vinyl as well. You know, cause you do some things cassette only, and then you do yeah. cassette and vinyl for some. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that you <clears throat> offer that variety of, of things for artists. It's a really, it's a kind thing to do that maybe other people, places don't do like it's like bottom bottom line how much money can i make off of this versus exposure to help someone grow Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think that we've really talked to anyone who does cassette releases either how is are the cassette sales crazy are they good i mean i being a fan of cassettes i purchased quite a few i'm a big fan of them Fortunately, I can't play any right now with my setup, but I'm definitely into that. Is it uh, as big as vinyl? Are they equal? Or is one more than the other? Um, I would say vinyl is bigger, uh, but I think the cassettes are really good to have because for some, like some people, like it's just a lot easier to afford and collect. Um. You know, like, you know, we have returning customers that buy like like every tape, but they might not buy any, any of the vinyls. It might, it might just be their thing. They like to collect. Like I said, it's a lot easier, like 10 bucks compared to 25. Um, but yeah, they, I would say that it's not as big, like a hundred cassettes is a little bit is is more difficult to move than a hundred vinyl. Like a hundred vinyl goes really fast because it seems super limited. But then like a hundred tapes kind of feels like a lot of tapes. It's it's kind of interesting. That is it. You're weird. absolutely right. You said it out loud. And I'm like I absolutely agree with that statement. But yeah, fifth like when it's fifty tapes, it's usually like it's gonna sell out pretty quickly. But for some reason, the jump to a hundred, it's like. I don't know if like when people see when people see like a bigger number, they're not as like eager to buy it or what, but there's all sorts of ways. Like you could do a variant, obviously. Here's this this variant. So to to quantify that, a hundred tapes seems like a lot. That's weird to me. 
Does that seem like a lot to you? Like when he said it out loud, were you like, that's a lot of fucking tape? No, no, it doesn't seem like, not to me. Oh. Interesting. To me, I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of tapes. Usually say, do a hundred. I will do like more than one color or something. And a lot of people will buy the same tape in two colors just to collect them both. So I've noticed something about your releases, your vinyl releases specifically. They pretty much all fall within the same price point. They have, they kind of have a, a very similar um, jacket. I don't see a lot of gatefolds necessarily. Is that a, a conscious decision on your part of like how you put together a package um, to keep it within a certain price point for people? Because you can get buck wild. You know, you could go. $50 for vinyl release if you're doing multiple discs and gatefold and all these special effects and yada 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 and die cut this that and the other thing um, you seem to have a very consistent way that you release vinyl is that a, a, my point my ask is is that a conscious decision on your part um I, I don't think I'm necessarily trying to stick to that price point I think I found that you know I'm always trying to do kind of you know crazy color variants on the on the wax designs and stuff like that, and I think that that Stellar. number, the number that we're at, is pr a pretty good price for the for that, even though like they do vary like the actual cost, um, but yeah, like jumping to a to like a two LP vinyl is is a big cost jump like for for the production of it is a lot yeah. more expensive and i think that i don't know like how many i would sell like because i haven't done it yet obviously but um yeah like when it's 50 dollars instead of 25 i just don't know how many i could how many we would sell um a lot of you know i mean most of the albums are 10 tracks which fits perfectly on two sides yeah um <clears throat> yeah we've done there's a couple things on aura where i did some um you know spot colors on the jacket uh like fluorescent pantone colors which is a more expensive price and we've done a couple that haven't showed up either that's called reverse board where they basically turn the jacket inside out it's a little bit more of like a matte paper hmm. So I'm starting to, we're starting to experiment more with that, but uh, I guess the opportunity hasn't really arise, arose yet for, for just to like try something wild like that, like a gatefold or something, but it'll come. Yeah, for sure. I feel like the one thing I could depend on Stratford is really beautiful variants, vinyl variants. Like you, like I'm really love what you do like every release so far or like the last year specifically like whether it's a repress or whatever it is you do something exciting um mm -hmm. and i think that's really appreciated and really gives like a like i want to have this thing um because it's beautiful it's beautiful to look at it's beautiful to hold going off of that some people feel bad that they don't have an original pressing they have to get a you know a later press mm -hmm. but with the color variants that you do, that's nothing to feel bad about because a lot of them are great. So yeah, going along with that. Yeah. I, I mean, we're usually trying to like top the last one every time. Like, it's not like, Oh, 
you missed on this like cool pink one. Now you're going to have to have black. Like I'm always trying to make it like a new cool variant. So there's no reason for anyone to feel bad that they ever repressed something from your record company. Someone told me that because they were selling some of like some stuff off of your um, out of your discography that they had. And they told me, well, I'm not worried about it because I know that when it's if it's repressed, it's going to be hot. And so I don't have to worry about like some sort of special, like this is a one and done thing and I'll never, it'll never be cool again. And they're like, I don't worry about it because I know that it's going to be a repress and it's going to be great. So it doesn't matter. I guess that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like yeah. it's dependable. Like, oh, if I sell this hotel, hotel pools first press, the repress of it, it's going to be just as cool. So it doesn't really matter. Why are they selling it? That's I, the biggest question I have. <laughs> why, why would this person was trying to like buy a house so they were they were selling some stuff <laughs> you helped someone buy a house congratulations does that sting when somebody sells something for more than what they paid for it oh that's a great question um to me not so much personally but i know that for the artists it can for sure um I know Ben is one person who does not like resellers at all. <laughs> um, it's, it's a very Ben thing to be not happy about. But, you know, like <clears throat> I've heard some pretty wild things like the, the pressing plant that I work with. I was talking to my sales rep and I forgot how it came up, but it was something about people, you know, reselling on, on Discogs and stuff. He's like, dude, I've heard of, hip hop labels where they'll just make a fake account or not a fake account, like account that under an anonymous name and, and just, you know, sell the last five copies that they have of, of a pressing, like at a way higher price, just to like create that, that aftermarket demand. It's gross. And, Artificial yeah. hype. I never thought about that. Ugh. I still bidding on eBay, but, fake accounts on discogs because yeah you could you could start an account you could buy a record at an astronomical price and that's going to go on their tracking yeah like here's some jackass who paid a thousand dollars for this G um i don't know if either one of you guys watched john oliver he did a thing on Ticketmaster, which is really interesting about how they basically scalp their own tickets so they like they'll release, like say there's, you could do thirty thousand for an, a venue. They only put five thousand on for sale, and then they sell it to aftermarket sellers, which they are their own aftermarket sellers, mm -hmm. and they jack the price up by two to five hundred percent, and make all this additional money. So like a concert that should be sixty bucks could be seven hundred dollars for a ticket. This is why I haven't seen Hall and Oates. <laughs> valid didn't they just come through i don't know but every time i've looked at it and been like i can't i just can't pay this much for a ticket it's painful that's why i like our scene for the most part because it's it is way outside of that system that mm -hmm. you could see a show for a reasonable amount of money and really get your and usually it's like jam-packed it's like four or five artists for one thing. So you've got like an entire evening to enjoy music. Cheap date straight up. Um, so 
you know, with that, are you primarily like just interested in like the, the digital and the physical side of things? Are you, do you have grander visions for Stratford and what you, what you're doing? Nothing too crazy. I, I like, I like, uh, what I'm doing now. I mean, I definitely would like to grow in a way like, you know, everything's out of my house right now. Like maybe get like a warehouse space eventually or something. Have an employee at some point, someone helping, um, you know, but because it's all, it's all just in house right now. And it, it does take up a lot of space, all the cardboard and yes. there's a lot of cardboard. <laughs> Because, you know, like, so it, it's hard to, to store it all. Um, it takes up a lot of space. So it's like, I kind of, I'm in between, you know, buying like a shit ton of mailers and then just kind of like enough for a certain amount of time. And then I have to get more and more. So it's like, it would be nice to, you know, at some point be able to have like 5,000 mailers sitting in my whatever you spot. Could get a, you could get a storage unit. Yeah, something like that. 5,000 mailers. What a nightmare. <laughs> that sounds like to have sitting on it. I mean, it, the only reason why I say that is because it's like it's way cheaper than yeah, like, it's... you buy 300 at a time. Oh. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at now because I have limited space. So it's like, I've got to buy another 400. Is it? I, you don't have to answer this. Is there, Do you do like a, on average like a 500 run? of a thing because I'm just starting you have like more than 10 releases a year. So 5,000 does is, isn't actually that outrageous. I don't think like you have enough releases where it justifies buying a bulk like that. Mm -hmm. Probably. Um, but no, most, most of our releases aren't 500. They're, they're probably, they're close to that 200, 300, 400. That's pretty, that's a really it's an interesting um place that we're in that you can you know be able to have the company that you do and and it's supported in the way that you do in such small numbers and it's so vital and I know that you felt the strain and pressure from the the record uh plants getting basically inundated beyond the you know the wait times are insane mm -hmm. um has that impacted, has the wait times impacted your your business strategy? Have you felt that pain a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not actually sure. Mentally, yes. <laughs> Mentally, yes. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Um, basically, I mean, mainly just because, like, having to, you know, tell, tell the artists, like, yeah, let's get this in right now, but it's going to release in nine months. And they're like, I just, can I just put it out now? It's like, can you just be patient for a little bit? Like, well, it's going to come out, but you know, some people need to get it out and on to the next thing. And so it's a balance. It is. I, I, I didn't actually think about that. That's a really good point. You bring up you, you release an album with the, the actual go live date of the thing, the physical and the digital. And I didn't think about like the strain that must put on a independent artist. Yeah. So um, not, not everyone is like that, but I try to make them like that. Hold off. <laughs> Chill out. It'll be good. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting, 
and and that's sort of like that was the advantage of being like you or other um labels that are similar is that there wasn't that waiting time um we've talked to some artists that are on bigger labels and it's they, they submit an album a like a year ago and then a year later it's being finally being released because there's schedules there's all mm-hmm. these bureaucracy mechanics that go into larger even like mid-level record companies you're in a kind of a machine and you're kind of whoa um you're you're put into a machine in a queue and unless you're a hot really well-to-do artist you're put at the bottom so it's you've got to hold on to a project for a year before you can even talk about it because you've got all these contracts that you have to sign to say that you're you know you're not going to release anything or talk about it and it could be a year or two years i've had some friends that have opted to not release records at all and record uh, larger ones at all because the wait time was two years before they even get to releasing it which is absolutely insane to me i was just thinking about something like this the other day um about someone we know who released an album and saying to myself like who knows when the vinyl is even coming out yeah and by then is it going to be relevant anymore or not am i not going to be as excited about it anymore then i'm also thinking could that also be a boon for them too if an artist released something digital and they had it out at one time and then you've got to wait a certain amount of time because of the long lead times for vinyl to come out is that going to be you know detriment or is it going to maybe rekindle some interest in the album i don't know interesting things to think about yeah i so would say I, oh, go ahead i was gonna say if i if i were an artist i would probably want everything to come out all in one shot but you know who knows maybe that could help with a longer lead time for some physical media to help tough to say i don't know i'm not an artist so i can't really chime in on so yeah, some of the releases I've done recently where where it, it may seem like it's just a cassette and digital right now, the vinyl is actually on order and we just don't it's kind of like you just mentioned like we don't really announce it to the public, but when it uh once it arrives, it it will be released. And yeah, who knows Ho- hopefully that, you know, gives the gives the release some some new life and uh they sell well. And that's another thing with vinyl too. So you could be told from the plant it's going to be X amount of time. But that could change. Anything could change right now. I mean, there's no guarantee on lead time. Has your experience, do you feel that there's any relief in the future for vinyl? Like for lead times, have you have you seen anything like get better, or is it just more of the same and we're all stuck waiting for a baby? Um, so I know that the two plants I've talked to are increasing their like capabilities, their size, but it hasn't improved at all yet. Um, they're like, oh, we're gonna move into a new bigger building, we're gonna have more machines. Cool. Um, but there's lead time incurred with that too. And in the construction yeah. industry, which I'm in, yeah, you can't guarantee anything. It's the wild west. No. So I know right now, um, 
like the plants are crazy. Like I know in motion one and two has been done and like, it'll take them like three weeks to figure out how to pack it. Like, the, like, Oh, <laughs> wow. the, the jack, the jackets are in the other warehouse and we need them to come over here. It's like, it's sitting there. Come on. <laughs> Just ship it. Get it. Um, but yeah, like I, I'll, I'll often try and group as many projects that I have as that I have there to be shipped together so it can come on a pallet um, opposed to like sometimes if it's a small run, they'll just ship like three boxes and there's a lot higher chance of them kind of getting damaged, like the corners and stuff like that. So got some stuff there in motion two is done, Smart. but yeah, they're... I'm very excited to receive that. Um, I think people have really fucked up and not got the Coke bottle clear version. Um, I feel like that's the, that's going to be a really hot thing once you get it in hand. Cause the mock-ups don't always do it justice. Totally. And I feel like, like once people see it, like it's going to go. Yeah. Um, but I'm very excited about that record. I think, you know, we've, we obviously have had Sean on and, um, just the direction I've just like, do you ever sit and listen to something and go, what the fuck? I, I can't even comprehend what I'm hearing. It's so different and unique and good and exciting. And I don't even necessarily know how to process it right now. Like that, that was my reaction to in motion too, was like when I finally got to hear it, it's like, holy shit, this is so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. When he was sending me some of the demos, just like over Instagram, I was like, dude, this is going to explode the internet. Like people are going to go crazy. And he's so like, so modest and so like shy about it. He was so nervous about the release of it. Um, and I'm like, you need to knock that off. You need to stop that. Cause it's a great, re it's a great release. And the fact that you did, in motion one and two together it's such a great package so i'm excited to get it um and just more what he does if he's going to continue to do this really experimental wild stuff um it i mean that's really exciting to me you know the difference between like life of life of riley to this to his other stuff is like man that's a progression that's a wild progression yeah is there anything, oh man, I, I actually, I'm not even asked that question because it would it'd force you to choose like maybe highlights amongst the releases and they're all your babies. So that's, that's not really a fair question to like ask. Um, how, what can we expect from you in 2022 broadly, not specifically broadly? <clears throat> um, broadly i mean i can i could uh i can read off the like what i have in the next couple of weeks which is pretty exciting um i have this like big calendar thing nice <laughs> but yeah next week is john mint that that's vinyl and cassette and then uh april 1st is oddling uh the album one it's it's been out i think it was kind of like his first collection of tracks albums that he has on on soundcloud but that's going to be on violin and cassette for the first time 
Then Eagle Eye Tiger on the 8th. That's going to be a cassette release. And then on the 15th is Special Q. That's a, that's a record, a vinyl release. And I think I'm going to do the Secret Selection tapes. And we have John Dunder, a new album from Division Street. Um, and then album from Disc System and I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but I should. Nielsen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a lot. Um, that's what I have scheduled, but then there's there's other vinyls on order from there's too many to name really, but Delora is coming. I don't know if you guys are fans of Delora. I'm not familiar. I'm gonna have to check it out. Like I, I, I trust that like it's gonna be hot, so I'm not I'm not even worried about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me see. Let's see Pressure's on. <laughs> um some new some vinyl from Secret Attraction, the album that he released recently is gonna be coming in a while. Great. Yeah, that and uh one we released, I think earlier this year or last year sensitivity drifting so two different vinyl releases from him a lot of a lot of hotel pools represses are coming yeah i mean if you need money that's just a great thing to do <laughs> um yeah yeah i mean mainly you know there's there's represses of most of the higher demand releases that we've had coming and then a lot of new stuff so there's plenty to look forward to. So let's talk about, I think there's probably something that we just need to talk about and, and get it out there because people are going to be curious. They're going to want to talk about hotel pools. If we don't talk about Ben, we're going to miss an opportunity because people are going to be annoyed. That's pro Am I assuming correctly that hotel pools is probably the, the highest level artist on your label? Like that's the thing that people get the most excited about maybe am i off base on that it's pretty accurate okay um so let's talk about hotel pools um how you guys connected and you know what drew you to his music initially yeah so i probably found him when he just uploaded one song on soundcloud and i think it was just timing um some luck and i i reached out to him probably to do like a secret selection track or just see what it, it like see what he's up to like do you have any plans on releasing music like is there an album in the works or what and um <clears throat> we started talking he's like yeah i'm working on music he came from a place where you know he had i think been on a, on a legit label before and had not a great experience and he <clears throat> liked me because um it was just casual like we don't have any contracts like we just talk about things like agree on terms and and release stuff like that you know he just wants to put out music and like i have you know the financial ability to get his music on vinyl and so it's actually just a really good partnership um he's one of my friends like we're just very fortunate yeah so it was like it was timing but 
I found him, I think, you know, super early when he started releasing music under the alias Hotel Pool. So it just kind of worked out like that. I, I feel like that's very accurate. If you're if you're out there looking and you're receptive, you're going to find you're going to find the thing. And if you're smart enough to act on it, you're going to be good. You're going to be fine. Um, I, ben talks very warmly about you and your partnership together. And it really frames it as a partnership as opposed to like, this is my label. It's, you know, basically my partner in this thing that yeah. is Hotel Pools. Andrew supports me and does all the stuff. So obviously it works out. He feels very similar to what you just said. So um, I, I feel that it's really interesting, your story about um, people that are looking to release music or or do things that if you act on a thought and you follow through with it, you, you might actually be able to do it, pull, pull it off, you know, like going from like you having a project and a friend having a project and like, well, shit, we should do band camp and do release some tracks to now having a full fledged label where you're able to release music and make a living off of it. Like that's a, that's a huge leap from that initial thought to where you're at now. So it's a, it's an inspiration story. I I really feel like you could have a a very specific taste, right? Because it is a niche within a niche, and still succeed. Yep. <laughs> yes. The handshaking and the flexing. Of yeah. The muscles. I always I always like to send that as a as a meme when I'm in agreement with somebody or we're like we're gonna do something. It's like that, uh, like <clears throat> bicep flex and handshake in one. Um. I'd like to wrap around to maybe some of your your influences and things that you grew up on. Like, what are the things that get you going? I know you've got your label and a particular thing that you've curated, but like more about like your own interests and you know how did you, you know, what are your influences and bands that you like that are not related to what you're doing directly? Yeah. Um... Chillwave was like pretty much the biggest, like my favorite music. But I think I I started getting into electronic music in high school. Um, The first band that was like my favorite band was The Faint. I don't know if you guys are familiar with The Faint. Mm -hmm. Um, And like Lady Tron and Fisher Spooner. Yep. Like kind of stuff like that. Um, Then Neon Indian and and Tori Moa and and Washed Out were like really kind of like my favorite bands and still are like I've I have probably all their all of their records and like they've they've kind of changed over the years but like every time they're coming out with a new album I'm super hyped on that but yeah also I think the tone and the vibe of the label probably has a little bit to do with uh living close to the beach I like I surf almost every single day so it's Part of, part, part of the same vibe, I guess, a little bit. Um, yeah, like the late, like the actual name Stratford Court um, is a street in Del Mar, and like my friend Ryan, who we used to release music on the label, lived there, and like we would, it was a house, like we would all hang out. I would go surf, we'd come back and jam, play music like that. So it's kind of shaped the sound probably a little bit, but yeah, I. 
it was really like my favorite music was the type of music I was trying to make. And then <clears throat> I had to, you know, pick one thing to be best at. And I kind of <laughs> went with graphic design instead of uh, a producer or like a musician. I, I would still wish I kind of messed around more, but. There's time. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. It's interesting how that, how that, how your life takes a direction and you don't necessarily anticipate that direction. Like I feel that kind of every day with the various things that we do and people that know us know what we do. Um, That's funny. I was going to say it like I anticipated my life going right down the toilet. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not much to Yeah. But I guess there's other aspects that you could yeah. put in there. I, I really wouldn't have thought that we would have ended up here. That was not in my game plan of, of, things five neither, years ago neither uh for me i i don't think i've ever was like oh when i you know get older i want to run a record label but i'm stoked to be doing it now <laughs> just, isn't that crazy you know, like, it's crazy you just kind of follow the path that seems right at the time yeah isn't that weird how you lean into something and i don't know if it's you get to a certain age and you either have less resistance to a thing or more attraction to a thing, but you just kind of lean into it and then it just takes you where you go. And again, I would have never imagined that we've ended up doing the things that we've done. It's a bizarre. I'd still go how and why sometimes. Um, so it's cool. And yeah, I could definitely get the, the beach vibe, the relaxed SoCal kind of vibe from you. And and I think, you know, like Hotel Pools specifically really encapsulates that, even though he's from New Jersey originally, which is funny. Um, but like that really mixes well with that and the whole vibe and it works well. And it's its own distinct thing. I think there are other labels that have their own caveats to maybe the, the chill or mellow or whatever it is thing, but you definitely have your kind of, circle of things and what that means and which is really interesting and it's cool I'm, I'm super excited for the stuff that's coming out and i really like that you you don't have a board of directors or salespeople telling you oh well you need to hit this you need to hit this market you need to do this thing you need to hit this over there you lean into what your instincts are telling you. and that's got to feel really gratifying to know that you've built a business around your instincts a little bit yeah yeah i do what i want <laughs> and don't do what you don't want to do do what you want to do don't do what you don't want to do ah, i haven't broken that out in a while yeah it's been a hot minute since you've said that phrase so that's it's very apt in the situation um so wow i mean it's it's an incredible story um that you've laid out and talked about and i really appreciate like just sharing that with us. I think it's really interesting. And, and I've always kind of wondered some of those, some of those things that you've talked about. Um, so it's a really, it's cool. And I'm glad, I'm personally glad that you are here doing what you're doing. Um, Cause I don't think that anyone else could do it. Like it's very much you and it's obviously appreciated to where you're able to make a living off of it. So that's really, that's really neat. And I'm, you know, excited of what you're going to do in the future. Also appreciate what you've already done 
<clears throat> I'll could I'll continue to buy vinyl from you. I'll still. I like to clarify. It's not. It's not one hundred percent of the only income that I that I live off of. Um, it's a big part of it, but I I do graphic design on the side as well. Like I have a client um, in South Carolina that I do beer labels for. So I have I have some other projects that I do too. But that's I, great. Yeah. You have the freedom to pursue pretty much what you want to pursue. You're literally living the dream of life. <laughs> right? Am I am I wrong? That's pretty much. You're... Yeah, but with with that does come, you know, not all not always having financial stability. You know, there's ups and downs. Sure. With stress, but yeah, I am I am right now currently doing, you know, basically what I want to be. You're living life on your terms. <clears throat> Correct. So that's pretty sweet. If only I could have some part of that. <laughs> We're on no terms right now in, in my life. And so, yeah, and honestly, since is actually when the pandemic kind of started is when I was like, okay, I got to do this like full time. You know, I I had worked full time as a graphic designer you know, with a nine to five job, um, <clears throat> seven years. And, but at right when like I got laid off from my job and I can do freelance, I was like, this is the time to make it happen. So it was a little blessing in disguise, I guess. Everyone that I know that works in graphic design for a living has had a very similar story of, I work for this giant company. They treat me like shit. They don't really care about my input because you're working for giant companies who their whims could be extreme and then you get booted you just get booted like ah, we just don't like you anymore and you're 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 gone even though you're an incredibly talented designer and artist and that's i've known a few people that have been through that grind before and the fact that you took i don't know that you know your worth but like you like you have a thing and you pursued it instead of being going back into that trapped into that machine a bit you know, and that's I think that's a really great story and I think inspiring to a lot of people because I think a lot of people could feel hopelessness pretty easily because of a lot of like what your life things present to you. And if you take a risk and you pursue your passions, you might you might be able to make it probably maybe better than being stuck in the machine that is adjacent to your passions. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely rewarding. Do you have anything while we got this man here? We have his undivided attention. I've got after show stuff. Okay, we got after show stuff. <laughs> Andrew, do you have anything that you, this is your time to pimp, anything you need to get out there, anything you need to say? Is there anything you need to like get out quick before we end our time with you? Nothing too crazy. Um, Buy your stuff? Yeah, stay tuned <laughs> for basically every Friday for the rest of the year. <laughs> Damn. No, that's not true. But there's a lot. It's similar to that idea. There's a lot of releases. Um, so thank you for coming on, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been something that I've been trying to make happen for a while. So thank you for finally coming on. Of course. Till next time, this is Eric. This is Kyle. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.
Welcome into Paradise Arcade.